Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth as we continue our study in the book of Jeremiah. I've got a postcard here from Sydney, Australia, where I just uh, spent uh, a little time with my daughter and many of my good friends there at Faith Baptist Church in uh, Regents Park. And this postcard is from a young friend of mine uh, named Marcus. And so, Marcus, thank you for giving me this postcard. He says that he listens to everyday truth when he's eating his breakfast. So Marcus, thank you for giving me this beautiful postcard of the Opera House in Sydney. And thank you for listening to the podcast, Marcus. That means a lot to me. Jeremiah chapter number five, we're in a section of Jeremiah where uh, Jeremiah is uttering some pretty pretty stiff words uh, to the people of God who are just stubbornly refusing to hear from God. Instead, they're listening to the flowery messages of the false prophets. Uh, And although the false prophets are creating some noise and some wind, they have no substance. And yet God says about Jeremiah, Jeremiah, your words, which are actually my words, are as fire, and they will consume. And so what a difference between the words of error and the words of truth. Here in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 20, the Bible says, Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying. So when God says those kinds of things to Jeremiah, What he's saying is this message needs to be spread. This message needs to be declared publicly. This message needs to be available to all the people. And that's so often the case with the messages of God, that God expects for his message to be declared by his people in such a way that it becomes public knowledge. I wonder in a positive sense, is the gospel public knowledge in your area? among your circle of influence, because we have, just as Jeremiah did, a responsibility to declare and to publish. So here, Jeremiah receives this specific message that he is to declare and publish among his people. And watch what that message is, beginning at verse number 21, where he says, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. What an introduction. So I want you to publish this message. And when you address these people, tell them who they are. They're foolish. Tell them who they are. They lack understanding. Uh, Tell them who they are. Uh, They have physical eyes, but they really don't see. They have physical ears, but they really don't hear. In other words, here are people that have the capacity to understand truth. It's not that they don't hear. It's not that the message is not available. It's that they have stubbornly refused to obey it. 
You know, foolishness is when we hear the truth and willfully reject it. That's a fool in the book of Proverbs. That's a fool. And without understanding. See, knowledge and understanding are two entirely different concepts in the Bible. Knowledge is simply the apprehension of facts. So unsaved people can know things about the Bible. They can study the Bible in that sense. Remember, in the ministry of Jesus, uh, the people had knowledge. Uh, They certainly uh, knew things about the Bible. They had fastidiously studied the Bible. Indeed, some religious leaders had memorized large portions of the Bible, but that didn't mean that they had understanding. Because understanding is not just a matter of my mental acumen. But understanding is a matter of my heart. Am I willing? Am I willing to obey what I'm learning? Uh, Do I see the word of God as a way by which I relate to and obey uh, the God of the word? There's where understanding comes in. And I'm afraid sometimes we we lack biblical understanding because there's really no heart uh, on our part to to relate the Bible relationally to, to God, to obey it to seek his heart and his will, to bend our will to his. So, Jeremiah, as you declare and publish to these people, tell them who they are. They are foolish people that see but don't see. They hear but don't hear. Look at verse number 22. Fear ye not me. This is the the Lord speaking through Jeremiah to the people. Don't you fear me? What a question that God would have to ask Do you fear me? Don't you fear me? Should you not fear me? Fear ye not me? Think about who's saying that, the creator. Think about who's asking that, Uh, the one with all power, Uh, omniscience himself, omnipotence himself is asking feeble, small, foolish people, don't you fear me? Fear ye not me? Then it says in verse 22, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord, will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof uh, toss themselves, yet can they not prevail? Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it? So think about what the Lord says. The Lord says, I'm here uh, I, I, my presence is real. And for whatever reason, you don't fear me. Uh, you are not practicing the presence of God in your life. Because indeed, if we would simply right now at this moment, as you're listening to this podcast, as you're watching me on the podcast, some of you, can we just stop for a moment and realize God is with us? God is present. And as God is present and we realize it, that ought to give us a sense of awe. To the faithful Christian, the presence of God ought to be a tremendous comfort. Thou art with me. I will fear no evil. I have the sense of God's protective presence in my life. That's a good thing. But to people that are far from God, like these people, in Jeremiah chapter number five, uh, this ought to be an ominous thing. A God is with me. That is a source of conviction. The presence of God is real. That ought to make me repent. That ought to make me tremble if I'm living in opposition to his will. 
And then the Bible says, as an illustration here, for uh, the Bible says, will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree? So what does God say? God says, it's kind of like the ocean and the shore. This, this, there's this boundary that I have set. And even though the, the sea, uh, the, even though the sea roars and its waves never stop, morning and evening and all night long and crash after crash after crash, yet it never makes progress. There's a perpetual barrier here. In other words, the sea with all of its power, with all of its noise, with all of its persistence obeys me. And you, puny little foolish man, disobey me. What, what a, an incredulous thing that is. Look at verse number 23. But this people, see the contrast? The sea, verse number 22, but, here's the contrast, this people hath a revolting. And the word revolting here means, uh, in other words, they live in revolution. They, they, they are, are an opposing. They have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. So unlike the sea, which is noisy and powerful and persistent and yet under the control of God, by his decree forever, the people of God, far less powerful, are far less able to persist 24-7 like the sea can, uh, they are rebellious and they are uh, they stand in opposition to God. What, what, what a thing. Look at verse number 24. Neither say they in their heart. And that's always where rebellion resides, in the heart. That's where opposition is strongest, in the heart. That's why repentance is so important because it's not a matter of getting right with God by doing right things. The people of, of Israel and Judah often would do that. The, the prophets and, and the people were, were still worshiping in the temple. They were still doing all the right things as far as the sacrificial system was concerned. They were doing all the right things when it came to their kosher diet and all of the ceremonial observances. They were doing the right things, but their heart, See, the heart was the issue. So the Bible says in verse 24, neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. Now, the point is they were saying that with their mouths. Oh, they were more than able to say, we honor God. They were singing the songs. They were praying the prayers. Oh, they sounded good. They looked good. But in their heart, what were they saying? And the point here is that God hears the words of your heart. That's why when it comes to salvation, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made, but it begins at the heart level. Watch this. Let us now fear, neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So in their heart, they're not fearing God, even though God, season after season after season, has given blessing. Even though God has brought the rain, even though God has allowed them the food that comes because of the crops that grow because of the rain. 
Uh, yet there's still no fear of God. The point here is that the fear of God ought to be fertilized not only by his, his impending warning of judgment, but the fear of God also, ought also to be fertilized in our life just when we consider how good he's been to us in spite of our disobedience. So there are many incentives as to why we should fear God. It seems as if the people of God here are not obeying any of them. Look at verse number 25 uh, to close. But your, for your iniquity, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. No, the rain is no longer coming. God's trying to get your attention. The crops are no longer growing. God has touched your agricultural system as he promised he would in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Why? Because he loves you enough to try to get your attention. And this is not God's fault. Don't blame him. You, your iniquities have caused this. And so you have to look not, you have to look inward first and realize this is a heart issue. So uh, today, as you're listening, as you're considering this passage, why don't you take a moment and pray the prayer of David. Lord, search me. Know my heart. Maybe pray the prayer of David. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I hope that helps today. Sober thoughts, but important thoughts. We'll jump back into verse number 25 next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.